It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. We are back here at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm here, Ruiz, filling in for JT. Our number two of today's JT The Brick Show. And we're starting off hot with Raiders Insider for the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Raider Nation Radio, Vinny Vonsignor. Vinny, como estas? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Hey, man, surviving one day at a time, living life, my man. So I was going over your article at the RJ. Go check it out, RaiderNationReviewJournal.com, about potential uh, spots where Derek Carr could end up landing seven teams that you listed. How? What do you see closer, him joining a team via free agency if he's cut by the Raiders or the Raiders being able to strike a deal with somebody before that deadline of three days after the Super Bowl? Yeah, boy, um, that's a great question, and and I, I you know, I, I wish I had an answer, but I don't know. Uh, but I'll, but I'll say this: when I was going through the exercise of uh, you know, uh, kind of identifying the teams that um, that would be in the running, um, that should be in the running, uh, that I've been told are interested, uh, it doesn't take a long while to get to uh, a handful of teams, you know, that are that are pretty close, you know, that that think that they're a quarterback away or. Won a lot of games last year, or, or or you know seven eight games last year. In spite of using multiple quarterbacks, some because of injury, some because of performance. Uh, but the but the fact of the matter is, so many of the teams that I listed in there, um, you know, were had had a lot of inconsistency at quarterback for a lot of different reasons, a lot of different players. And you look at their team and their roster and their defense and what they have, you know, in terms of uh, offensive weapons and offensive line, and you you start thinking, look, if they if this team just had a consistent quarterback. Somebody that was, uh, you know, available uh, and productive, uh, they might have won three or four more games uh, last year. And so you, you start looking at that and realizing there's there's a group of teams that, uh, in that category. And the question becomes, of those seven teams, or maybe even eight, uh, if you want to throw a, another team in there, is there going to be somebody as luck? We don't want to wait to compete for Derek Carr on the open market and free agency. We'd rather jump to the front of the line right now uh, in February um, and, and, and make them to give up something to go get him and secure our quarterback for 2023 right now and then deal with everything else uh, after that and let everybody else compete for the remaining quarterbacks that are going to be on the market, whether it's through trade uh, or free agency uh, in March. Is there going to be one of those teams? And I have to believe that there will be at least one, maybe even two teams, and maybe even more than that, but at least one that's going to say, you know what, we're going to take care of our quarterback right now, and we'll give up a fourth-round pick or a second-round pick, whatever bidding war gets to, uh, in order to go do that. So, so I think that there's still a strong likelihood uh, that, he, that he could get traded. 
Absolutely. We're talking with Vinny Vonsignor, Raiders insider for the RJ, and also here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Vinny, in your opinion, what could Derek Carr end up getting for the Raiders in case the team gets a trade for him? That's, that's, that's the other uh, side of that coin because we don't know for sure if somebody is going to say, uh, hey, let's jump to the front of the line. Or if everybody's just going to say, you know what, we'll take our chances uh, in free agency. And so uh, there has to be you know, multiple teams in order to drive that, uh, drive that price up. I don't think, I mean, unless there's you know, three or four teams that get involved, I don't see that a first-round pick is going to be part of the equation. And I think that Raider Nation may have to kind of come to the grips with the fact that it, it might not even be a second- or third-round pick. Um, you know, it is a financial investment that a team is going to make uh, in Derek Carr. There is always uh, the, the, uh, the other part of it, which is him becoming a free agent and then, and then teams being able to go pursue him uh, through that path. So um, I, I wouldn't get my hopes up if I'm a Raider fan that, that, that you're going to get a whole lot. However, saying that, um, if two teams jump into the, into the bidding war and are really serious about uh, getting their card, then obviously when you get into that kind of a, a situation, uh, the price can go up. So maybe you could get it and drive it to a second-round pick. And I, while I think it's unlikely, maybe you can even drive it to a first-round pick. Absolutely. And what cracks me up, Finney, and you have 50,000 plus Twitter followers. I have way less than that number. But I see a lot of folks on social media that are card detractors that are saying the Raiders should get two first rounders for Derek Carr. I'm like, wait, if a player is worth two first round picks, you're not trading them away. You're keeping them. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, if the Raiders can get anything decent for D.C., I think the franchise would be happy with that. Well, and also understand that uh, uh, they're, they're, another asset is coming back to the Raiders, whether they trade him or release him, and that's the 30 or so uh, million dollars that they're going to have under the, uh, you know, uh, in, in salary cap relief, which obviously part of, part of it, if not all, will go toward whoever their next quarterback is going to be. Uh, but it, but uh, in, in doing that, they're not going to have to dip into, um, you know, uh, their other, the, the, the salary cap space that they have right now that they're projected to have right now uh, to go uh, figure out who their quarterback is. So they will get something back, and that's financial relief, not having to pay the $40 million in guarantee um, that that comes due on February 15th and obviously the, the cap space. So I, I read a lot of Raiders content. I listen to a lot of Raiders content, of course, including you guys on the morning tailgate from 7 to 10 here on Raider Nation Radio. Q Myers, Unnecessary Roughness from 2 to 5. And, of course, JT LeBrick from noon to 2. You've been reporting for a couple of weeks now. Jacobs ain't leaving, right? I don't think he's leaving now. There's just too many um, you know uh, uh, tools that the Raiders have at their disposal. Ideally, you know, you get a deal done, um, you know, before he's even uh, allowed to hit free agency. There's going to be that uh, exclusive negotiating period that the Raiders can lock him in on a long-term deal. Also have uh, both um, franchise tags uh, to be able to use, uh, and a lot of times that doesn't mean he's going to stay on the franchise tag uh, for the rest of, uh, of, of, the, of the 2023 season. You can always buy time. I think the deadline's in mid-January or mid-July uh, in order to, to lock him up to a long-term deal. So that buys you some time. So I just, you know, between Josh wanting to be here, uh, the Raiders wanting him here, um, I, think that, I think that they'll figure something out. And here's the other part of that to me is that, you know, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels have been talking about what 
kind of characteristics they're looking for uh, in, a, in a player, the type of players that they want in their building, the characteristics that they want in their locker room, and frankly on the field as well. And there probably isn't uh, a Raider outside of Devontae Adams and Max Crosby that checks off every single one of those boxes in terms of production, availability, leadership, work ethic, uh, what he means to the team and the community, leadership, uh, as, as I mentioned. So everything that, that they've been preaching about, that's what Josh Jacobs is. And I, and I wonder what kind of a message it would send to everybody, including the fan base, if you preach about all of that and then let that walk out the door uh, simply because of money. To me, that's a bad luck. And by the way, I'll say this. I got good insider sources when people started freaking out when they saw the Josh Jacobs jerseys at 50% off. I know that they had too many Josh Jacobs jerseys. That's why they went on sale, not because they're thinking that he's not coming back to the team. That's why they're 50% off at the Raider image, because they just had too many of them. Don't freak out yet, Raider Nation. There's still plenty of time to keep Josh Jacobs. Way too much connecting the dots or or, or attempting to connect the dots. Who knows, too? You know, Josh Jacobs may want to – uh, if he does, when he, when he does uh, come back, who knows? Maybe he'll want to. Uh, he, he's hinted at wanting to go back to. I think it was his college number. I don't off the top of my head. I don't number remember eight. what his college number was. Uh, so I know that I know that he was dabbling with that possibility. Um, so so maybe that's uh, where all that's headed. And here's the kicker as well: if he had done the change this year, he would have had to pay for every single Josh Jacobs jersey that has been produced until now. Now, because he gave the NFL a heads up. Sorry? That hasn't been sold. Exactly, exactly. Yes. That's an inventory. Now that he has given the NFL a heads up, he could switch his number without having to buy all of those jerseys. We're talking with Vinny Vonsignor, Raiders insider, here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Vinny, before talking about the 2023 draft, I want to hear your outlook on the 2022 draft from the Raiders because Parham, he played pretty much every single snap. Thayer Mumford, we saw him in there playing in multiple positions. But besides those two, you look at the other four players and they didn't get enough playing time to be able for us to say, hey, they look like a potential players that we're going to be seeing in the Raiders for the future to come. Yeah, uh, part of which was uh, Josh Jacobs just uh, playing keep away with the running back position saying, yeah, no, 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 uh, Britton Brown, uh, and Zamir White, I got this covered. So, and through no fault of their own, I felt like Zamir White, and I feel like the organization felt all along like he was ready at a moment's notice. He was ready to rock and roll. Um, had had uh, he gotten his opportunities, but Josh Jacobs was playing so well and so healthy, uh, and obviously that's a, those are good things uh, that Zamir didn't really get on the on the on the field. But it's not a bad thing either that both he and Britton Brown kind of took redshirt years uh, this year. Uh, their day, uh, their days, I should say, are, are coming, and and maybe uh, by the same token, uh, you know the two young defensive tackles that they got. Um, y- when you look at uh, Matthew Butler and you look at uh, Neil Farrell, LSU, Tennessee, um, you know both of those guys were mid-round draft picks. So uh, it's not often that that guys just step into the league uh, being drafted where those guys were drafted and immediately become stars. It happens sometimes, or even get a lot of playing time. It does happen sometimes. I'm not going to sit here and say that it doesn't. Max Crosby uh, being living proof of that. But oftentimes, uh, you know, guys that are drafted uh, in those positions in the draft take a little bit of time, and and it's and that that you want to get to that point too where. You're not relying on rookies having to come in here and, and fill holes. You want to be able to fill holes through draft after draft after draft. 
uh, and then at times be able to have the luxury of bringing guys along, um, you know, at a, at a nice pace so that there's a, there's a, a really good chance that you're going to get the most out of them in due time. And I think both of those players kind of projected sort of the way their seasons went um, in terms of just learning and developing behind the scenes, getting a look at what this all looks like, uh, learning behind some, some, some good veteran players, you know, Andrew Billings, Nichols, uh, those types of guys were, were great uh, in the locker room in terms of leadership for guys like that. So just because it didn't happen in year one doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Everybody is on a different clock uh, and timeline uh, in the NFL. And where both of those guys were drafted, it's not like first and second round picks came into the building and didn't do anything. These were, you know, uh, third day picks, second, third day picks, both of them, um, that probably need a little grooming uh, and a little bit of time to develop. So, uh, we'll see next year. Now, this is a big offseason for both players and a big second year for both players to start showing that they're taking the positive steps uh, in the right direction, and that's, and that's really uh, on them. It'll be an important offseason for them. I'm sure they have their walking orders uh, from Patrick Graham and the defensive staff and, and, and the head coach in terms of, hey, this is what we want you guys to key on in the offseason. This is where we want you to be weight-wise and strength-wise when you report back uh, in the str- in the spring and put yourself in a really good position to take advantage of year two. And that's going to be on them. It's a full-time job now. So uh, uh, they got to uh, put that time to good use and, and heed all of the advice and, and, and all of the um, instructions and, and show up here uh, in, in April ready to rock and roll. Yeah, not all those uh, late-round draft picks are going to end up being a Max Crosby or a Hunter Renfro or a Nate Hobbs, which the Raiders got, uh, I don't want to say lucky, but that they drafted real well with uh, Mayock and Gruden in the later rounds. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they didn't strike as much uh, earlier in the draft. Okay. We're talking with Vinny Vonsignor. So, Vinny, now having 11 draft picks, not only your first and second rounders, but potentially up to 11 draft picks in the 2023 draft. What are you expecting from Dave Ziegler and his staff to do in this draft? Well, what's really um, fascinating to me about all that is if you remember, and not to make any excuses or anything, this is is just the reality of the situation. You know, Dave Ziegler and Josh and and a lot of that, um, you know, uh, all the new hires, Showed up in here uh, in, in what mid late January um, and hit the had to hit the ground running because there's no there's no stopping to smell the roses or enjoy the moment or anything like that. You got to hit the ground running because a draft is coming ASAP. Free agency is coming ASAP. And here's the thing about all of that: when they did get here in January, you had a whole slew of of, of scouts that had been uh, doing their jobs over on college campuses at college games at all you know uh, uh, practices uh, the whole deal. But they were looking at things through the lens of a Mike Mayock and a John Gruden and, and his staff and had been for a few years. Um, and then all of a sudden in January, it stopped. Hold on a second. Kind of forget what you were doing um, all these months before. Uh, and now start looking at it from this, from this particular lens. It's hard to do. Um, whereas now, a year later, almost a full year later, they're going to go into the draft in April having – all the scouts, all of their the, the the staff members that are that are working uh, with the Raiders under under Dave Ziegler and and Champ Kelly and everybody else, they're going to have spent these past 12 months or so now looking at this group of uh, players, the 2023 draft, through the Josh McDaniels Dave Ziegler uh, lens. So I would imagine that they're going to have a much bigger leg up uh, on the process. And with the amount of picks that you talked about 
and I and I know that there's a lot of creative thinking in that building um, in order to whether you're talking about trading up together or trading down to you know pick up more picks. Maybe you could turn 11 into 14. You never know how you could do it or use some of those assets, those extra assets, to move up a time or two uh, during the draft to to really go get the guy that you want that you have to have. Uh, so to me, it's really interesting to see how this draft plays out. And remember also. The Raiders didn't have a first or second round pick last year. They traded that for a guy by the name of Devontae Adams. I'd say that worked out. Um, but now they're going to have their whole slew of picks, beginning with that first pick, the seventh pick overall, uh, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of arsenal for the Raiders to use, and they do need um, to start really bringing in high-level players uh, through the draft, starting right now, because that's how you build uh, a great foundation. That's how you build something uh, that's sustainable uh, and not just fleeting success, but you know prolonged success. You do it through the draft and develop, and then do it again the next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, so that you're able to replace guys that price themselves out with your own guys coming up uh, behind them. You're able to now go to free agency, not having to fill a bunch of holes, but just limited holes and supplement through free agency. That's how the good teams do it. Uh, that's how the great teams have done it. And far too long, the Raiders haven't been able to do that because, frankly, the drafting just hasn't been good enough. And that needs to change. And that is on Dave Ziegler and his staff. And I know they're champing at the bit to get after it. Absolutely. And I'll close this uh, interview, Vinny, asking you about the Senior Bowl. We just found out today that Patrick Graham is going to be the head coach for one of the two teams that are going to be out there in Alabama with last year players in the college level coming into the NFL. How big is that for the Raiders institution and especially for the coaching staff to get a close look on some of the prospects that they could potentially end up drafting? Yeah, I think it's really big because, um, you know, uh, I've been to multiple Senior Bowls. It's great. I tell all football fans. Uh, go down to Mobile, Alabama in late January or early February and get a look at that thing because it's pretty cool. And the proximity for fans is really uh, cool as well as, as, as us in the, in the media because it's not just the game. The game secondary. It's become more important over the years. But really the important part is what happens prior to the game, and that's just the, a week-long uh, worth of practices and meetings and you know uh, being able to – uh, interact with players, and I'm talking about the coaching staff that, that is presiding of all, over, over all these teams. Yes, all scouts and general managers from every other team are there, but when you're the coach, you get to see these guys, um, how they work behind the scenes, what they're like in meetings. Are they retaining information? Are they taking the information that they just learned in the classroom and applying it to the field, like in real time? So you ha it gives you an edge. And just for an example, you know, 2019, uh, the Raiders staff, John Gruden and his staff, coached one of the uh, Senior Bowl teams. And from that, from that Senior Bowl, you're talking about guys like Alec Ingold, Foster Moreau, uh, Hunter Renfro. I know Jonathan Abram um, was, was drafted uh, off of that, that, out of that Senior Bowl as well. So I know that the Raiders didn't draft great in that first round, although they did come up with a, a superstar running back in Josh Jacobs. But when you look at Foster Barreau and, and Alec Ingold, who is a really serviceable, serviceable player here, uh, and, and, uh, and Hunter Renfro, those are, the, those are those later picks or undrafted free agents uh, who came in and made an impact. And, and, and I think that the, the experience that John and, and all the coaching staff and Mike Mayock had just watching and observing those guys really helped lead them and guide them uh, to them, uh, whether it was the draft or undrafted free agency. So you can, you can see how much of an effect it, it really can have to find those type of gems that they did later on in the draft after having practical and real experience uh, with them 
uh, at the Senior Bowl. So I would think that Patrick Graham, being the head coach of, I think it's the North team, is going to have a uh, a great uh, week to be able to really dig in on, on some of these guys. And I was just going through the defensive roster for both teams in the Senior Bowl. I don't think they've de- designated who's on what team, but there's some talent at the Senior Bowl this year, especially defensively. Uh, and so for Patrick to be able to get a, a bird's-eye view of some of these guys, I think could be invaluable during the draft. Yeah, get a head start. Instead of waiting until the combine, you start getting a head start and meeting some of these players and talking to them and getting to know what's up with them. It's only Wednesday, Vinny, but I know that you got some tequila there ready, right? Oh, absolutely. Those Caras tequila is um, uh, next level, and we're going to be talking a lot about that uh, throughout uh, throughout the year. Uh, on on the morning tailgate and all the other parties that we're doing. So uh, so you know I'm ready to rock and roll. And then we're going to buy a house through Realty One Group. Absolutely. (laughs) You go and buy the house first, and then you take some shots of tequila after you buy it. Dos caras. Yes, exactly. The two faces. Two faces. There you go. Thank you so much, Vinny. All right, brother. Take care. There he goes, Vinny. And, Bobby, I'm sorry to get hungry, man. And you know where I'm going to go after the show? I'm going to go to Grimaldi's because they're hands down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas. Only at Grimaldi's Pizzeria can you get famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza that you crave. Grimaldi's has four locations in the Vegas Valley, Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley. Wherever you are in the valley, there's a Grimaldi's Pizzeria nearby. For more, visit GrimaldisPizzeria.com. Let's go to a break. And after it, we're going to have Brian Fowler from All In Autumn Wind. This is the JT The Brick Show. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Modelo, a proud sponsor of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. Back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Birdie going to throw back middle, wide open, Debo Samuel, down the sideline, 50, 40, Debo 30, Debo 20, Debo 10, Debo touchdown, San Francisco. Still feels weird, right? Hearing Greg Papa calling Niner games. Well, it is what it is. And now we got a great broadcaster in Jason Horowitz out here in Las Vegas and we're getting a call a lot of Raiders touchdowns. Unfortunately, we're getting to call a lot of opponents' touchdowns as well for the silver and black. I'm Harry Ruiz, Spanish radio broadcaster of Raider Games out here on Deportes Vegas, 1460 AM, part of the Lotus Broadcasting family, filling in for JT The Brick on today's show, broadcasting live from the Findlay Cadillac Performance Studio. And we have another guest here. We went back-to-back. We had Leo Aragus, former Raiders puncher. We had Vinny Vonsignor, Raiders insider. And now we have a content creator that I got to meet at Allegiant Stadium. And then I started watching his videos. And I'm like, damn, that's so awesome. He gets to do all of this. I don't know how his wife let him do it, but his wife gave him the green light. And he went to every single Raiders game in the 2022 season. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show, Brian Fowler from All In Autumn Wind. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. 
Hey, Harry, thanks for having me. I, I cannot believe that you put me on after a Niner touchdown call. I wasn't expecting that, man. Hey, I, I wasn't expecting it either, but my man Bobby Machado, <laughs> he's a great board operator, and he's like, hey, we ain't got no Raider touchdowns from last week, so we got to play something out there. And I was like, damn, I miss Greg Papa with the Raiders. And he, I, when I was growing up, I would hear his touchdown calls. I had his touchdown calls as my uh, ringtone for so many years, but now – we're in the present, and the present is checking you out. Tell us, how did this all-in autumn win came to be that you decided, I'm going to go to every Raider game this year? You know, it really started in the previous season, the 2021, when we finished the season winning four straight to make the playoffs. I left a company of 19 years. I, was, I decided to take a year sabbatical, and I thought to myself, I need to do things that I love, that I'm passionate about, and I went to those four games, and, and I also went to the playoff game in, in Cincinnati. And that, that was an, a, an incredible experience. I wasn't documenting it then, but it was the experiences in Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Cincinnati that just made me think, oh, my gosh, people need to see this more. Uh, I, I knew that Raiders traveled well, but my impression, having only been to really Raider games in Oakland, Los Angeles, and San Diego – my impression was it was a lot of people coming out from the West Coast, which there are. There, there's a ton. But what really blew me away is how many Raider fans were in those states or the surrounding states and traveling to the games. I, I was absolutely floored by that. And I just thought as we approached this season with all the hype and adding Devontae and coming off a playoff run, I just thought, man, I, I want more people to see this, especially people who, who can't travel or, or can't go to games for whatever reason – I really just wanted to share it. Heck, I'm one of them. I broadcast the games, <laughs> but the road games, I broadcast from a studio out here in Las Vegas, not at on location. So being able to watch everything that you do on the road is super cool. Of course, what you do at home as well. And how was that evolution for you over the last five months where you started uh, with your introductory video? which, by the way, he recorded outside the stadium in Arizona predicting that the Raiders would win the Super Bowl out there, and it didn't happen. But then going from L.A. all the way to Week 18 in Kansas City, how was that evolution for you? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I did call my shot out in front of uh, State Farm Stadium. Didn't work out, but uh, so be it. The, the season really, it, it, it was amazing to watch how it unfolded. And I have to say, I, I live in Los Angeles. I'm about three miles away from SoFi. So I, I really felt like those two were home games for me personally. So I had 10 home games and seven away games. But um, I think the season for me really started kicking in in Nashville because that was the first time I, I had to travel away where, uh, you know, I got to experience the parties and the events that the local booster clubs were putting on. And there's a guy there, Bam, from Music City Raider Nation, who throw, he threw an amazing party uh, at a venue called Bowie's. They had the best bands. I mean, I would love to go back and see these bands. And the place was packed with Raider fans. Um, my wife went to me on, on that journey, and we were both just blown away by it. She, she was like, oh, my gosh, I thought there was going to be 30 people here. And it was a full-on concert, you know. Uh, so experiencing those different types of events throughout, I, you know, I, I would say New Orleans was also insane. Jennifer uh, put on a great show there with a lot of events, um, including Gorilla Rilla's birthday party yep. on Bourbon Street, which was amazing. Uh, and then, you know, it just 
each city, I didn't know what I was going into, and and each each city and each booster club have di- have different things going on. So it, it was a clean slate every week, and I, I just had to go into it thinking, okay, what what kind of trouble am I going to get into this weekend? Good kind of trouble, though. We're talking with That's Brian right. Fowler from All In Autumn Wind. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. He already has over a thousand subscribers, so now he can monetize it. Let's help Raider Nation out. He put out great content for everybody from every single Raiders game in the 2022 season. You brought up your wife, who I had the honor of meeting, your family, who I had the honor of meeting out here in Vegas as well. How the heck did she accept when you said, babe, I'm going to go to 17 Raider games this season? <laughs> well, she, I mean, she's wonderful. And uh, Jenny is her name. And, and Jenny, she's been nothing but supportive the entire time. Um, and I think it's just she and I both, we work hard. And I'd worked hard for so long for, for this company. And when I left, I, I just said, I, you know, I need to do some things that are, that are more for me before I go back to work. And this was one of them. She grew up in the New York, New York area, so she wasn't a Raider fan until several years ago, but she's definitely on board. And I think this, I think this season may have taken her to the level of super fan. Like she, she shed some tears with me this year, you know? That's all it takes, man. If you're a fan and then you go to a Raider game, it doesn't matter if it's home or away. It just takes your, uh, le- takes the level of your level of rooting for the team to higher heights. And that's what happened to me. I went to my first Raider game in San Diego, and I'm like, damn, we filled the stadium up against the Chargers fans. And then the week after that, I went to Oakland, and I'm like, this is home. This is awesome. I was a Raider fan living in Mexico, moved back to the States, and I was like, hey, I'm hooked for life. And I'll have to ask you this, Raider Nation, where did it show out the most on the road? Well, this might not be fair, but really Los Angeles. Right, because there's so many that still live here. I mean, I grew up a Los Angeles Raiders fan, um, having been a fan for 40 years, and and there's just so many of us still here. So that's a little unfair, and maybe I'll just set Los Angeles aside. I have to say I was really blown away by Kansas City. I I could not believe how many Raider fans lived there. And it was a combination of either perhaps they had moved out from the West Coast or their parents had, and they had inherited the – the Raider Nation from their parents, but there were so many Raider fans there that the day before the game they had a they had a big picnic, and it was amazing to see because there were a lot of Chiefs fans there too because they're all friends, you know. And that's when it realized I, I realized it dawned on me, oh my gosh, every time the Raiders play in Kansas City for these people, this is their Super Bowl, regardless of what happens with playoffs and and everything, because they have to go to work the next day and face these people, these friends, you know for the next however many weeks until we play again. But there there was a tremendous amount of Raider fans in in, uh, Kansas City. And I'll ask you this. There's this stigma towards the Raiders that we are pissed off at every fan base and that we don't like other fan bases. But from what I've seen, when you go out to a tailgate, it's pretty much the opposite because you're hanging out with fans that root for the other team and you make friends with them. And what did you see from that aspect? I saw nothing but love in every city, and and that's not that's not a cliche. I, I really mean that. Um, the the interactions with Raider fans against the opposing fans was great. I, I never saw any any type of arguing or fight. Actually, the only fight I saw was in Kansas City, but it was two Chiefs fans. So, uh, that you know that's that's different. 
But um, no, it, it's it's great. You know, I've always being in LA, I get really excited when I see a Raider fan. You know, it's always this like head nod, like Raiders. You know, but I got to do that ten million times this season in every city, and and it was a lot of fun. I think a lot of the the opposing fans have said that too. There was a guy from New England who came out to the Patriots game in Vegas, and he went on a rant about how he was really shocked at how how great the Raider fans are. And he he actually said, I, "I'm I'm being treated better here than I am at a Patriots game." Wow. Uh, you know, and I thought that was really interesting. Absolutely. We're talking with Brian Fowler from All In Autumn Wind. Follow his YouTube channel, like his videos, leave comments, support, show love, Raider Nation. You did a great job this season. So tell me, from week one through week 18, how many people did you meet just walking around with your camera? And then by week 18, you felt like they were family. I, I wish I had that stat, but it's too many to it's too many to count. I'd have to go back and watch all of the footage, but that's one of the things that was really shocking to me because honestly, I, I went into this expecting to meet new people every week. Even in Vegas, for some reason, I just thought, oh well, you know, the chances of running into the same people probably unlikely. But no, it was it was actually seeing people in Vegas that I would then see in Jacksonville or in Seattle because uh, you know a lot of the the West Coast fans do travel well. So, I, you know, there's really there's four unexpected things I had from this season. Number one was our record, uh, and I think we've talked about that enough. I won't go into that, that but that was quite unexpected. Uh, I would say number two was having a theme song and a superfan costume by the end of this journey was very unexpected. Uh, the relationships with all of these fans, I mean, there's, I had one game where it was the Power Raider game. I think it was the Patriots where I basically spent the whole weekend with him. In Pittsburgh, I was with IE Raider the whole time. And uh, it was just, it was so much fun. You know, I think IE Raider actually hooked me up with a front row seat at the Pittsburgh game too, nice. which, was, which was really nice of him. And, um, and the last thing I, I do want to mention was the amount of charity and community work that came up throughout the season, which I didn't go into it thinking about that. But of course these booster clubs do so much for their local communities. And then you've got people like Vegas Raider dad in Vegas, who's giving experiences to kids and families who otherwise couldn't um, Jim Smiley and, and Janice Deesman, I'd like to mention too, because they work with families who have kids with cancer, the little warriors, and they do so much. There, there were several emotional moments this season as I got to know them. So it's just a huge Raider Nation family. I, I've always n- known it to be the case. I haven't really tried to plug into the broader, you know, I have my close friends and family members, but I, this is the first time I really tried to plug into the broader Raider Nation, and I, I just, I'm blown away. I, I'm as big of a fan of, as I am of Raiders. I'm also a huge fan of Raider Nation. Absolutely. And, and you actually, you read my mind. I was, my next question was, you got 20 videos up in All In Autumn Wind at the moment, and one of them is precisely the Little Warriors Tackling Cancer from the Raider Nation for Life booster club that my good friends Smiley and Janice, they're uh, spearheading this this uh, this uh, nonprofit, and it's incredible what they do. And in Oakland, it was easier to take tons of kids and experience their first Raider game in person. Yeah. And unfortunately, at times, it would be their only Raider game. And they, they got a lot of angels now in heaven. And now they're doing it in Vegas as well. Unfortunately, not in the same numbers because tickets in Vegas, they're, the prices are too high to being bringing 10, 15 kids per game. But 
they keep doing it. And now they do. They did it in SoFi Stadium, too. When the Raiders played out there, they took kids. Yeah. Uh, that's their dream, going to a Raider game. That's right. And, you know, I have to say, I mean, taking to a Raider game is one thing that they do. But even though the Vegas tickets are so high, there's still so much that they do. Uh, I went to a Christmas party that they threw on. I, I didn't film there. Um, and, and, and that was their request, but also my choice. It just didn't feel right to film there. But you had all these families there, and they had so many donations, gift cards, presents, Secret Santa. It was really a beautiful event. Violator was there. Raider Goon was there. Power Raider was there. It was, it was amazing. You know, I got emotional there. Absolutely. And yeah, they, they invited me to an event. I think they had it before either the Chargers or the Rams game. But unfortunately, I don't go to the road games because I got to broadcast them out here in Vegas. Right. And I'm like, I right. really wanted to go there and just get to meet some of these kids. And they've been doing it for over 10 years. So shout out to Smiley. Shout out to Janice. Shout out to their whole family. They do an amazing job. And shout out to everybody that donates to their causes. I know my friend Rachel Brown off the hook in Oakland. They She used to hook them up with some of their her tickets that she used to have for this great cause. So go check out all in autumn wind so i asked you about good experiences brian fowler was there any bad experience that you had in all those 17 weeks that you were traveling i did not have any bad experiences with with people or you know any of the events or parties i i think honestly the only bad experience was uh i, I think i hit a low point around jacksonville and then indianapolis that was in the middle of that three-game losing streak um jacksonville was tough Losing that that lead was was a blow, and um, it, it was hard to. I, I still filmed something after the game, but it was very challenging to do. And I, I gained an appreciation for for what you people like you do, having to you know, no matter the outcome, you still have to do your job. And I was treating it like a job, so that that was that was a painful loss. Yeah, that was a that was a bad experience. But I, I did not have any bad experiences with, with people or stadiums or. Or anything. Well, actually, there was one Patriots fan. I have to say, bring it. Really annoying. He was sitting in the black hole. Steve Power Raider is going to love that I'm telling this. <laughs> Power Raider and I went to the black hole and sat down for a few minutes. Um, and this, this this Patriots fan was upset that we were standing. And now, mind you, everybody in front of us was standing, and we were just like in the last row that was standing, and he was sitting directly behind us, and he started screaming and yelling at us. And anyway, we didn't technically have seats there, so he talked to security and got us thrown out. So that that was a that was kind of a funny, funny but also bad experience. I just couldn't believe a Patriots fan was in our stadium telling the black hole to sit down. How does that happen? Lame. Heck, if that was in Oakland. Would have been a completely yeah. different story. But yeah, the black hole, you don't sit down. You stand up, and I'm happy that I know Gorilla Rilla, uh, his wife, uh, Rachel, and a lot of folks that they don't sit down. They got people telling them to sit down there in the front row. Hey, you want to be in the black hole? You stand up the you whole up. game. And, and that's definitely interesting. And yeah, you know what? I'm happy the Raiders won that game even more because that fan had to go home crying, disappointed at his team. Thank you, Jacoby Myers. And, <laughs> Brian, my last question for you. If I wanted to do something similar for you, what would my budget have to be with all those trips and all those tickets and all those hotels? Because there's tons of expenses that you had to manage. What's the budget like for All In Autumn Wind? Uh, it's a lot. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe 
maybe Jenny might not appreciate me uh, sharing that, but it, it is a lot. Um, and I, I will say that I do have a better understanding of the Chiefs Wolf fan and his efforts to, you know, uh, acquire funds for his, his journeys. Hey, but you know what? You're doing great content. And right now, with over a thousand followers, we need to get those views up so you can monetize your channel. So invite all of Raider Nation for those of them that still don't follow your channel to check you out. Well, thank you so much, Harry. And I have to say, even though you've heard heard me say it a hundred times, your walk off calls are incredible, and I play them for people and listen to them whenever I can. They're absolutely. I was in Seattle and you were broadcasting from Vegas, but I'm pretty sure I heard you banging on the table from <laughs> Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I think that table is is giving me a lawsuit soon, so I'm just going to try to stay away from that studio over here nearby at Lotus because if it sees me, it's going to be pissed off, so I'll stay away. So you didn't do it, I'll do it. YouTube.com slash All In Autumn Wind. Go subscribe. Go watch every video. They're super entertaining. You get to see a lot of familiar faces that you've seen on TV. If you're not out here in Vegas, a lot of faces that you've seen out at the tailgates. And my man, Brian Fowler, thank you so much. I hope to have you soon again to talk about more. Is Or here's the final question now for real. Is there going to be a season two? It's been approved. Jenny has approved it. Season two is coming. And I'm going to do a few off-season events, including the Pro Bowl, there's a 5K uh, happening in Vegas in March, and then the draft in Kansas City in April. I'm looking forward to going back there. There you go. I'll see you out here then in Vegas for the Pro Bowl, my brother. All right. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. There he goes, Brian Fowler from All In Autumn Wind. Check out his YouTube channel. He did a fantastic job creating content for the Raider Nation by the Raider Nation during the 2022 season. And the Super Bowl is around the corner, and a lot of people watch the Super Bowl just for the commercial breaks. And I'm very excited to tell you that Remy Martin will have a one-minute commercial airing in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. Be sure to look for it. It's branded the biggest day deserves the finest celebration. Think about all the great sporting moments you've experienced in your life whether it be your own your kids your home team or your mad that magical moment with remy martin it becomes even better let's go to a break we'll be right back to close the show To the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Second down, play fake. Jones rolls left, throws left, wide open for the touchdown is Bellinger. Look, Daniels, I've said it all year. He's been good for us. He continues to be good for us. And he played a good game. Um, and I think there's a lot of other people that play good games too. To help him play a good game, he'll be the first to admit it. But uh, as the leader of our football team, um, I'm proud of him. Brian Dable and the New York Giants. What a turnaround they had out there at the Big Apple. I didn't expect it. And, hey, Danny Dimes, he's getting the job done. Will he be able to get another dub? Let's see this weekend. It'll definitely be very, very interesting. And how about that NFC East? Just last year and the year before that, everybody was like, it's the NFC least. It's like one team has to make it in the playoffs out of all those guys, right? Just because it's a division, and damn, now they got the Giants, they got the Eagles, they got the Cowboys. It was like three out of the four teams in the divisional round in the NFC are from the NFC East. 
which is from one year to the other, it became from a division that nobody was going to make the playoffs unless they had a division champ. So now pretty much everybody made it in there. So it'll be an interesting week. And I'll be back tomorrow here on Raider Nation Radio covering for JT the Brick. And before going off the air, I want to shout out all the Raider fans that reached out and was like, hey, we're listening. Good show. Good interviews. Dennis from the Black Hole. Uh, of course, Cisco Ortega, who's always out here listening. Luis Narro, who works with the Animal Control Department, so he's listening to Raider Nation Radio all day. He was tuning in from his truck, and he loved the interview with Vinny Vonsignor. Unfortunately, he's not from the Raider Nation. He's from the Cowboys fans. So let's see if the Cowboys finally get a win uh, that's not in the wild card round for the first time in forever. Or if the Niners get a win. Uh, tomorrow, of course, we're going to have more content here for you. Thank you, Raider Nation, for tuning in. Uh, before saying goodbye today, I want to send a shout-out to my mom. She's having her fourth round of chemotherapy. She was listening to the show earlier today. Love you, Mom. Stay strong. Raider Nation, if you can, send out a prayer. I would really, really appreciate that. Um, it's actually the first time I'm talking about it on the radio. So, uh, love you, Mom. Vamos, Mama. Get it. And also, Jay Briscoe. I know a lot of people aren't wrestling fans. I am a big wrestling fan. And he passed away yesterday. He was a huge Raider fan. He was just 38 years old. Car accident. Uh, may he rest in peace. He actually named his son Gannon because he said on a podcast with Kevin Kelly that Rich Gannon was the best Raiders quarterback he got to see. And you look at the timeline, 38 years old, definitely Rich Gannon. He was the one that took the Raiders to the Super Bowl. That's my case, too, where I'm like, well, Gannon was the last guy that took us there. He's my guy. Let's see who the next guy is. So rest in peace, Jay Briscoe, former Ring of Honor wrestler. And he passed away as Ring of Honor tag team champion they just had some great matches with ftr so sorry to bring some wrestling in there but hey we had to send out our condolences to the family of jay briscoe his brother mark uh and of course his wife his kids uh may he rest in peace raider nation we got another show lined up for you tomorrow but before that you gotta catch my man your boy q q myers the hardest working man on the radio if there's a radio on around you, there's a good chance that Q is out there. And after this show, after the JT The Brick Show, Q Myers is coming up with Unnecessary Roughness. Shout out to the Mon Cotton as well, who does a fantastic job behind the board. And I hope that one of these days he brings one of those stakes my way that he talks about on the show. Bobby Machado, my man, thank you so much. You know I appreciate you a lot. A great job over there in the control room. Fantastic out here being with you at the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We'll see you tomorrow here on the JT The Brick Show, noon to two. Good to go. All right, you got it.